bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number eight. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another episode. We're bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these first couple of episodes already and the great positive feedback from these has uh, truly just been uh, humbling. If you have not yet checked out any of the other past episodes, do yourself a favor and check them out after this one, which is now available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, and uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast nowadays. Um, it is fantastic to see the support from the local community uh, in the sport of motocross. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in this week here on the Imperative MX Podcast. We had the week off last week, and we have a lot to talk about when it comes to local motocross racing all the way to professional and everything in between. With that There are a good amount of talking points to chat about in this episode. We're bringing back the local legend segment by calling up 15-time Loretta Lynn national champion Kevin Walker and speaking with him about his long racing career, how his injury healing process is coming along, and much more from Kevin Walker here later. Uh, Then, uh, after Kevin, we will call up Moto X FI's owner, Sean Dutton, uh, it is a GPS tractor uh, tracker uh, to discuss really the security option of that GPS tracker for your dirt bike uh, or any of your off-road vehicle, which is a really big topic right now within the local motocross scene with a ton of bikes that have been uh, getting that have been gotten stolen here recently, and uh, we'll talk more about that throughout this pod. We also have local motocross racing talk, of course, with upcoming racing schedules, answering your social media questions. And so much more in episode number eight of the Imperative MX podcast here. Make sure to check us out by searching up Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, and our popular TikTok channel if you have already not done so. Uh, We hit the uh, milestone of 25,000 followers on TikTok, and honestly, that is so wild and awesome, all really at the same time. Crazy what we've done in just nine months and this is just the beginning. So thank you guys so much for supporting Imperative MX and myself uh, on all of our platforms from Instagram, where we just hit 2,000 followers earlier this morning, actually. Uh, Facebook with over 1.1 thousand followers. YouTube has uh, over 225 plus followers now. So uh, really just thank you guys so much for all of the support on each platform. And don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com. Uh, when you get a chance, we'll, uh, I will be doing a lot more updates and uh, posting a lot more up on the ImperativeMX.com website in 2023. So make sure to uh, be on the lookout uh, for that. But before we go any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here on the Imperative MX podcast, West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, And, uh, man, we'll get into each of these awesome companies here in just a bit. 
So make sure you support the ones that support the sport, like these companies helping us out with this podcast each and every week. But helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable and your District 29-2011 C-Class champion, also a proud father to that beautiful little baby girl, Heavy D. What's up, brother? What is going on, bro? Man, we are uh, we we were back. Uh, we had an off week last week for uh, circumstances that were out of everybody's control, even myself. But man, we're uh, we're back, and I'm ready to talk to uh, talk about racing. And I know you are. Oh, bro, it's been a minute. Like you say, it was it was a it was a few circumstances out of our hands, of course. But hey, it's it's a blessing to be back. That's all I can say. Absolutely, and. Uh, Man, it has been honestly super wild in the uh, local motocross scene, especially when it comes to uh, Dreamville. I went to that race, and uh, um, I was there on Saturday for the Noah Shipwash Memorial Race, and I got to say, uh, when I got there Saturday morning, I could not believe my eyes. You you messaged me and let me know what was going on, but when I got there, Mason Thompson and his family, his bikes were gone, and the uh, and there was other two other families that had their motorcycles that were taken away from them the night before, and most of those bikes that were taken were kids' bikes, and I and honestly, man, that broke my heart, Heavy D. Oh, uh, dude, that sucks so bad, and it's like it's I don't it's never right to steal anything, bro, at all, but. The kids do like come on, like kids. They they just out there trying to have fun, and, and and that was like a special week weekend for a bunch of those kids. I know Mason for sure. Oh, absolutely. And and that is just that's just so wrong, dude. That that's not even right. Like they, they I mean, what did those kids ever do to anybody? N- nothing at all. Like just not even them in general. Just anybody. Like that that wasn't right. And I mean, I know it's. The words out, and you got the whole moto community looking out. But that was, man, that was some bullshit. Excuse my French. That, but it, it was. Yeah, no, yeah, you didn't. It, it's it's crazy, man. I I couldn't believe it, and all I could do is try to be there as much as I could for them. And um, I rode uh, also there, um, my my Suzuki, and uh, the banana. And uh, man, I had I had fun. I hadn't been to that track since the very first race they ever had at Wide Open when it was called Wide Open back in the day, and that's where I broke my collarbone. And I actually never went back there uh, ever again. Not for that reason, but just because it was actually a little bit farther south uh, for us where we lived at in North Carolina. But uh, it was cool to go back there. But I hate to see what happened there, and especially for uh, Mason because Noah was such a you know, an important person to Mason and for that to happen on the weekend of the Memorial race. I mean, I know he had to be gutted. Oh, just, I mean, the crazy thing is, and or just the other kid, the, the other families too. I'm not just saying just, just Mason, but man, it, it, I know it hit him, uh, harder than maybe the other kids families because of the sentimental value that was going on at the race. Man, you what's what's crazy is I can I even when I was there and I was there for a couple years and it ain't the track it's no it's not even I'm not even gonna say it's the track fault because it's not and I just want to clarify that because the thing is as far as I can remember nothing has ever been stolen from that place ever yeah so like 
I man, it's some inside stuff going on because one, it was Mason's dad's bike was it was a four fifty, and it was the only big bike that got stolen, if I'm not mistaken. And the rest were all sixty fives and the one ten. So absolutely, you think seven sixty fives, a one ten, and a four fifty. That was, I mean, man, some whoever's they're scoping that out because, like, what are the odds on a Friday night? knowing those kids were supposed to race on Saturday for the that big 65 race because they did race Sunday, but that big 65 race they had after practice on Saturday. So, I mean, like, come on. Like, the odds, like, it's definitely some inside job stuff going on. Absolutely. And and it's honestly unbelievable. Um, Mason was able to still ride the day. There was a kid out there that allowed, uh, you know, the parents allowed him to still be able to go out there and, and ride on um, – you know, ride out there, and uh, also uh, there was a memorial lap. And uh, if you guys saw on the Instagram account, imperativemx.com, um, we put up a video. Maddie Silva, who is a local uh, legend, really in his own right, uh, from the North Carolina area, put Mason onto the bike and let that let that 450 sing for Noah coming over the finish line. And uh, I know that hit people uh, pretty hard, and um, I, there was a lot of support there for uh, for Noah Heavy D. I uh, Man, I wish you were there. Me and Zach Heron were up there in the announcer's booth. Man, we were just kind of BSing up there, just talking about everything. And there was a couple times where we were like, man, we wish Heavy D was here. <laughs> oh, bro, I wish I was there. I wish I could have been there as well. You know, I just uh, – dad life now, so I had to make sure the old lady was doing good because, you know, she had to go back in for second surgery from the C-section. And so I had to make sure all the kiddos was good as well. But uh, I wish I could have made it. But I'll definitely be making some more in the future, you know, uh, be back around that way some so I, I definitely uh I definitely plan on coming out to some more support in the NCMX for sure absolutely and uh they had the 65 cc open uh memorial race on Saturday that I was able to uh, attend which was very cool um you know there was a lot of 65s I think just about every single 65 was out there I was part uh you know part of the memorial lap um it was awesome the top five uh racers in that 65 cc open got a 60 helmet. <laughs> So I thought that that was really cool, and um, and also Wendy Hill this past weekend uh, raised up fourteen hundred dollars. There's a GoFundMe. Go and check out even you know um, uh, go go check out the NCMX uh, series. Uh, Mike Farr, those guys have been posting up on the GoFundMe to try and get uh, some money back for all of the uh, madness that got stolen uh, over uh, that weekend, which was uh, super unfortunate. Um, Heavy D. We're getting ready to get um, Kevin Walker uh, on the phone, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, and do that. Uh, West Virginia Motorsports. If you're looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area or looking for a new pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, and or ATV, make sure to stop by in Princeton, West Virginia, or their other location uh, to to get something that you need. So don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or alongside walking out the door uh, with that new ride and make sure to get those air filters and uh, oil filters, huh, Heavy D? You got that right. You got to keep an oil filter. Yeah, and don't catch them on fire like Heavy D once did. <laughs> but but right now we have the 15-time Loretta Lynn National Champion, Kevin Walker, uh, on the line, and he's a local legend in himself. Kevin, appreciate you uh, coming on to the Imperative MX podcast. Uh, yeah, ain't no problem. 
It's uh, it's awesome, and the career that you've had, Kevin, is honestly un- uh, unreal. You've been a hero even in in my heart. Uh, no matter no matter what, um, I've watched you ever since I was a ever since I was a child. And when I think of a local legend, you definitely um pop up into my mind. Um, but I know you had a little bit of a get off uh back. Uh, a little while back at the Verb Moto Top Gun Showdown at Muddy Creek. So, how is the process coming along with, uh, you know, with what uh, actually happened to you? And if uh, you don't mind, explain to the listeners what actually happened. Well, uh, I, was, I was battling with Donnie Adams in uh, one of the vet classes and overjumped the spectator tabletop, and it had a lot of ruts down in the bottom swag of it. And apparently, I just landed so hard that. Another guy told me that when I hit that my body just kind of got ejected over the front of the bike. But it happened so fast to me, I didn't have no idea. All I know, I was racing one second, and this thing, the old man on the ground can't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a hard hit. What actually were your um were your injuries? I know that because uh, I was actually on the line when it happened, so I I couldn't see because it was obviously on the other side of the hill there where the spectator tabletop is, but. Um, what was the uh, what was the injuries and how are you feeling right now? Uh, seven broke ribs on the right side, shoulder blade on right side broke across and down. I've got one crack bone, my C seven and my neck, which I think is an old injury. And then the T six and T seven vertebrae, the ribs broke off of the edge of those, which. Not a big deal, Benetti. You talking about ribs and shoulder blade messed up? That it's been a long process. Oh, absolutely. I especially know the ribs and uh, and even with a shoulder, I had a shoulder separation to the fourth degree, so I completely uh, understand. But how's the how's the how's the process? How are you How are you feeling right now? Uh, it's not too bad. I still have to wear my neck brace when I'm out of the house, but uh, I started rehab on my shoulder to get it back working. <laughs> pretty decent this past week the ribs i guess are pretty much healed it's still a little i can cough and sneeze that's always a good thing yeah yeah that's good uh, i know that that's hard with the ribs yeah it's coming along you know it's gonna be a while (laughs) oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a long uh long process for you for for sure and especially with uh the injuries that you named there uh are we gonna see you back on a on a on a dirt bike kevin well, I mean, I don't think I can quit riding, but now I don't know about all the racing. That's, that stuff's so far out right now, it really don't even matter. Right. You're just you focused know, I, on yourself. I, I, actually, I actually picked up the, a brand new bike the day I got hurt. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you get another uh, so I, I, RMZ? Yeah, I got uh, Of course. Of got course. A, a contingency was too, too nice not to get one. Yeah. But you just said that you're not going to race, so I guess you're still going to well, race. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. Again, he's he's going to race. Don't let him fool you. He's racing it, that. It would be a good two or three months before I'm healed. And then it would be months and months after that before I could get my body back in shape to even think about going to riding. Absolutely. You know, so it, it, it's no sense. I, I'm not even worried about it at this point. Yeah, and you know, that's that, completely that's understandable. Way, that's way down the line. Yeah, and like I said, that's that's completely uh, understandable. But we we know you, Kevin. We know that you're that you're gonna come back. You're you're a you're a racer at heart. And speaking <laughs> and speaking of uh, your racing career, um, you know, I, some of these questions I don't think I've I don't 
you know, I don't know, uh, even for myself, watching you throughout your career. So how long actually have you been racing, and what actually got you into the sport? Oh, let's see. I started riding when I was four on a Honda MR50. Of course, it had clutching gears on it. And from when I was two, I was at a track watching my brother race, who raced for 12 years before I ever started. And, I mean, Mom and him would take my little 50s to the races every weekend, but I'd ride around the pits all day long. <laughs> but it took me until I was about 11 years old in 1981 before I actually went to a race and raced. Uh, it was at uh, Rolling Hills. Yep. Actually, and I I know I finished the first moto. I don't know what I got, but then I got sick, and Mom and him thought I was just faking. But it come come find out I actually had chicken pox. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> <had> a good <laughs> reason. <laughs> oh, that's. But, but now I take it back. I actually did race a hair scrambles race probably in about 78 or 79. But it was on my grandfather's farm. So we used to ride there all the time. And I, gotcha. I, I talked into riding that. But I think the counter shaft sprocket fell off my bike. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't getting far. Yeah, yeah, I didn't finish that when I had to walk out of the woods on that one. Yeah, and that's not fun. So I think I think that's why I stick the moto. You know, you get too far stuck out there. I mean, you're you're stranded for a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but at least I knew where I was at. I could cut through the trees and get back. <laughs> that's right. That's home territory for you. So yeah, no, that you had that in your back pocket, which is uh, which is really good. Um, Loretta Lens, you know, you've you've won a lot of championships there. It's it's got to be your favorite race, uh, obviously, uh, each and every year that you go. Was there one that was most or that was more challenging than the other, and it was more memorable for you? Was there a year that you look back on and you were like, "Man, I really had to charge all three motos, and I really, you know, had to work." And I'm not saying anything towards the other competitors. You were just on top. When you were on top, you were on top. And uh, was there one year that was just more memorable than the other? I don't know. Not really. I mean, it, it, each one has some some kind of unique, crazy thing that happens. I mean, probably the most unique one, I have my uh, gas cap fall off one moto. <laughs> uh, I think it was the one of my first motos of the week. It, I think it might have been plus 30 class, and I made about two laps and was leading by like 10 seconds. Went over the finish line jumps, and all of a sudden I felt wetness. So I hit, went over the tunnel jump, and gas splashed all over me again. So I just pulled over, took my gloves off, and I remember Davey Coombs running down there with it in his hand. It must have fell off like right up where the flags were at. Oh, my goodness. And he... He brought it down to me, but then he threw it on the ground. And he said, "I can't hand it to you." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, but I mean, by by time I by time I threw it back on, I didn't even put my gloves back on. I think I come back to maybe thirteenth. Oh wow, or some. But I mean, it blistered my hands up, and there's been quite a few years that you wait fast enough to win the class and you don't win any of them. Right. And then there's been other years that I went that I wasn't the fastest one there, but I have ended up winning. Right. And do you but think probably you... the, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say probably the one that 
is more cool than most of them was in 1987 in B class. I think I went three, four, four for fourth overall in 125B mod. But I mean, we had people like Emmy and John Kitch. Yep. I don't um, know. I mean, I, I, I could see the picture of it where, you know, all of us are standing up on stages. Back then, almost everybody stayed for the awards. I mean, you'd have like 20-some people up on the stage at one time. Right. You know, and my mom would take pictures. And I mean, I got pictures of all of us just standing up there holding the stuff that we got. And, I mean, you can go down the list of people that's there, and it's just crazy. Yeah, and you looking, know, and vet, vet classes, it, it was just a little different because, you know, you didn't have as many fast people right. lined right. up at one race. You, you got about four or five people that could win or get top five, and then it's a big space. Right. So the the B class deal was actually pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, because that's, that's, you know, right before you, you go into uh, A class, and you know those B classes are always stacked. They they always are with young talent, and you know every you know that's that that's that age where you're just going for it, and nothing really else matters. You know, um, yeah, that's cool. And actually, looking back at the vault, I was gonna say uh, your first year was 1985, and uh, you got your first title ten years later, um, and plus 25. Um, yeah, ninety five. Yep, yeah, eighty five. The eighty five year. That was my first year ever. Yeah, I think I crashed and got a concussion in the first moto. Then it rained real bad that year, and it was one of the years that we did just the two moto format. And I think maybe I got seventh in the mud. Probably shouldn't even rode due to the fact that when I come off the pit, come off the track from getting a concussion, I finished the race. Yeah. And went to Stevie Childress's pits and parked. Uh, and my parents had to find me. And <laughs> I, I still don't even remember riding practice that year. It was bad. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but I mean, you, you had Denny nope. Stevenson in there. You had Mike LaRocco uh, that year in 1985. The first year you went, you had Jeff Emig. Um, you had yourself. I mean, there was a lot of good guys that went on to do really well. And actually looking back at your career, uh, I actually had no idea in today – um, I knew you did a couple of nationals, uh, which you did three nationals in uh, 90, and uh, you did a mm-hmm. Charlotte um, Supercross, in, Supercross. Uh, yeah, in 94. Um, I guess my question was, is I knew that you were a, you know, a fast guy, and obviously you showed it here in 90, still getting 20th and, you know, on your own machine. It's not factory or anything like that. You're doing it out of your own pocket. Um, what made you kind of stick towards the amateur scene instead of the pro scene? I uh, no luck with it. I broke matter of fact in ninety I broke both arms that February at the Atlanta Supercross. Uh, I first, remember that. First, my dad yeah, first supercross ever. My dad tells yeah. me that story all the time because you were factory Yamaha, right? It was back door maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposedly supposed to get what Damon had the year before, Bradshaw. Because me and Damon okay. kind of grew up racing together a lot but i know mike brown crashed in the first heat race and broke his collarbone was put in the ambulance and then i crashed in the first lap of the second heat race broke both arms so me and mike end up in the same ambulance oh my gosh 
and you guys have <laughs> been bad and, and you guys are bad you know every single time you guys race against each other ever since you know watching pro sport and he would come from you know steel city or high point or whatever the race was and come down there just to race pro sport and that was some of the best racing i ever saw and it's crazy that you guys go even that far back oh yeah he he was in there crying and i was over making jokes trying to cheer him up he, he <laughs> talked about how he was gonna quit and oh it was hilarious oh that's that's uh, but that's yeah we, me and him had a bunch of good races over the years but now of course you you race with him now and you can't even keep in sight with him <laughs> yeah and actually speaking on uh the topic of just racing for a very long time because you and mike have been one of the ones that have come out of the surrounding area uh there's a couple of other ones that have been going you know for as long as they've you know known mm -hmm. the sport right but what what keep what keeps you going uh each and every year and uh because like i said many a guys hang up their boots maybe after you know after they're old or you know 30 plus 35 plus they're done with the pro career um what's the secret what 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 keeps you going for so long well, the thing is, I don't think there's a secret, but the problem is, is why do we keep going? That, so that's, a good, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, as I'm sitting there healing up again, you know, it's just, what, what would make an idiot just keep punishing yourself? <laughs> right, right. Well, I remember Serious Racewear uh, used to have the little stickers when they used to, um, you know, when the winners used to go around the North Carolina area and South Carolina and all that good stuff. And I always had in my handlebars, it just said, never give up, don't ever give up. And if you love something that much, you just don't. You just keep going, right? Oh, yeah, I've, I've actually got that sticker on my Suzuki sitting downstairs right now. Yeah, yeah, I had the one. <laughs> right, right on the fuel tank, and I think it's the last one I've got. I'm going to have to get somebody to make some more if I need some more of them. Yeah, if you, uh, if maybe, you make hey, some more, give me some. Maybe you need to look into that. I was going to say, maybe you need to look into that. Yeah, I might need to do it for uh, for Imperative MX and bring it back a little bit. We'll uh, we'll see if, uh, if we get some hits uh, coming back from the listeners if you guys want a uh, – um, never give up, don't ever give up uh, sticker. That's kind of my motto that I've always lived uh, throughout my life and still do and I think will continue to do. And um, honestly, that's uh, that's so awesome. Um, one last question for myself that I had for you before um, uh, we end the call here. Who was your childhood hero or a rider um, that you looked up to for maybe style, technique, speed, like who was your local legend growing up for yourself that you that you enjoyed watching? Well, I mean, there there was a lot of fast people back in the seventies, you know, from my area. Like uh, David Bailey was grew up right there at Lake Sugar Tree with us. Right. Uh, people like Jimmy Pig, but uh, it'd have to be my brother Timmy. Okay. Due to the fact, I mean, we grew up together. All I did was watch him ride. We went to the races together every weekend. And if you look at some of our pictures back to back that you can catch in certain corners of jumps, our cornering style is the same. Our riding style is the same. Not necessarily that he helped me per se, but I mean, just me copying him more or less. Right. Right. Okay. You know, because I, I saw him all the time. Right, he was right there with you, and I'm sure that he helped you somewhat along the way in some way, shape, or form. He he did better than me over the years. He got third overall at a national in 78 at uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, wow. 
because I think they run 45-minute motos, and he led the first one for 30-some minutes. Wow. I did not know and this. And then dropped back. I, I think I think Brock Glover ended up winning the moto, and I can't remember exactly who got second. I think Hannah was in the 250 class that year, so he wasn't in it. But in between the motos, Gary Bailey took the rear shock off of his bike and actually stuck it in a cooler <laughs> to cool it down in between motos. Man, what they had to do back back in the day uh, for uh, bike work and all of that good stuff. It's it's honestly crazy, and, and um, I wish we honestly had more time because there's so much stuff that I would love to know from back in the day and your input and uh, on all of that, but we'll have to save it for, um, you know, another episode later on down the road. Um, I appreciate you coming on here. Heavy D, did you have any questions or anything um, for uh, the local legend 15-time Loretta Lynn champion himself, Kevin Walker? No, no, no. Shoot, that's, hey, what you said speaks for itself right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah. Hey, I mean, the, uh, hey, all, the, all them titles don't mean the hill of beans in the real world. No, it means a little bit to some to some of us, you know. Nah, they, they, mean, uh, they mean a lot. I mean, it just goes to show, like, I know, like, my dad, because, like, a lot of people don't know, but, like, my dad was a mechanic, so he knew Kevin back in the day. And mm-hmm. uh, when my first, how I actually met Kevin, um, I don't know if he remembers, but my first race was at Camp Coker in 2007, and he was there. And uh, the pro <laughs> class was on the gate, and it was so many of them. And I just went up to see my buddy Garrett and him, and he was standing there. And I was like, hey, Dad, is that Kevin Walker right there? He said, yep, that's him. He said, go up to him. And I walked up to him. I said, hey. I said, I said do you remember him? And uh, he turned around, and the first thing he said to my dad was, it's great. <laughs> 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 and uh, they got to talking to chat. I thought that was the coolest thing ever and like. That was one of the things that really made me fall in love with motocross and meeting Kevin at the time, too, and seeing him mix it up with them dudes out there. Because that day, it was stacked, man. It was unreal stacked. Well, yeah, th- them days, I mean, it wasn't nothing for Larry Ward to show up and race with us oh, back in those days. Yeah, the four-stroke yeah. nationals at, like, Bir- at Birch Creek and stuff, Larry Ward and all. I mean, yeah, it was it was crazy what was happening back in the day, and uh, we're trying to get it back to that point, uh, myself and Heavy D, and it's awesome that uh, that you were able to come on to the Imperative MX podcast, and man, when we uh, catch back up in the uh, in the future, we got to get you back on here, and hopefully we see you out at the races, and glad that you're doing well, Kevin. Uh, appreciate you for doing this. I appreciate it. Just whenever you need me, holler at me. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Appreciate you. All right, y'all have a good evening. All you right, buddy. Care. All right. Bye. Bye. And man, that was uh good to hear from the fifteen time Loretta Lynn champion Kevin Walker, huh, Heavy D? Oh man, it's it's always good to hear from K Dub. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh speaking of local legend, uh normally we do an old uh older generation local legend himself, Kevin Walker. Uh we did on this uh this episode here and we also do a new local legend which is a rider that is coming up that is uh just balls fast and we believe that he gets uh some credit and some uh talking points here so lo- uh so local legend new heavy d uh i'm gonna let you take the reins on this one you got one for this episode yeah dude actually i do and you know i've been wanting to um yeah i've been wanting to do him for several episodes now you know um but it's just been it's been a little hard you know 
not actually, I'm going to say that, and it's been hard. We just had so many other candidates saying we've been to some other races as well. Right. But this kid I like, like, because he's only been racing for a couple years now, about two. But this past year, they did it, like, full-fledged local scene-wise. But they went around to a lot of the, like, big local races. I mean, Verb Classic and um, a lot of races here, Kathy's and the whole uh, Carolina Outlaw Series plus the Elite Series. Any races over here on, like, the East Coast, they mainly hit. And uh, the kid, at, like, dude, he he rips it up. Like, he races um, What's the his 50 name? class. Easton Reeves, Easton Reeves. Okay, and uh, I like him. Yeah, his dad's a, a mechanic there out of Travelers Rest, South Carolina. But the kid, man, rips. You watch him; he's he's got that grit, dude. It's like the littlest littlest dude out there, and the most quiet. But he's just got that fire. He's got he's got that fire to him. Yeah, and he's got that fire to him. And uh, he races P Dubs, juniors, and seniors. Oh wow, he does all three. <laughs> Yeah. He's like he's oh, like yeah. Kevin Walker instead of all of the age classes, he's doing all the all the all the small bike classes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he gets it in on all of them and, and little kid throws down, dude. It's like you watch him, I'm like, man, it, it, he's just he's another one of those kids that's coming out of the south and it just goes to show like we got so many fast kids over here on the east coast and he's like one of the ones that's next in line. Absolutely. Like, if they go which I think that they may push for. His dad's not super hard on them. They just love racing. Right. You know, good folks just love racing. So I think he, like, they, they just give kids, they just want to give the kids the best opportunities, just like any other, any other parent would. Absolutely. And, like, I, I spoke to his dad a while back and I was like, man, like, y'all, if y'all let him, he, he'll go somewhere because he gets down. Like, little man don't play. <laughs> said little man don't play he's he's there to he's there to play games uh or not play oh, man, not play any games you know he's he's there ready to go it's also washroom man because the tiniest little dude out there but it, when he gets on the gas and that on that 50 dude <laughs> is it like is it like a yamaha 450 just ripping his arms off but he's still going for it Oh, dude, he is on there, and he is letting that thing <laughs> sing. Yeah, he's letting it he sing. He is letting – he's a hey, – I'm talking – <laughs> like, no remorse for that little 50. He's got the, the smallest kid, but the biggest heart. Oh, absolutely. Oh, smallest kid, biggest heart. That is uh, that is awesome. That's – uh. Man, it's it it is crazy that we have a lot of kids that are from around the you know Tennessee, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, um, South Carolina, Georgia. You know, like man, there is so many fast kids that don't get spoken about, and uh, that's what we try to do here on uh, the Imperative MX podcast, especially with the local legend um, segment. And uh, Easton definitely gets it this week uh, for his. Uh, Small stature, but big heart on that 50cc heavy D. Oh, absolutely. And, man, I'm just – I'm excited for the, uh, the 2023 season because, honestly, I feel like, you know, if, you know, they do, like, try some Loretta stuff, I, I have no doubt in my mind he'll make it. Uh, staying healthy, of course, just like any any other rider. Right. But I feel like if he gets that, he's going to be an eye-opener. Like, yeah, 
one hundred percent. He just he he just got that that kind of grit to him. It's like you see him, he goes out there on the bike and he gets down. He's got that aggression. He's got that like that that eye forward, eye to tiger. Yeah, he's ready to get after it. And you see him off the track, and you'd be like, okay, that 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 is definitely not the same kid. You wouldn't believe it, but. That's it's sort of like a Josh Thomas ordeal, right? <laughs> like you look at him walk, you be like, "Ain't no way he's right there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But dude, he can manhandle it. And he can ride the hell out of that thing. Oh, he gives it the shit. Oh, Excuse the, my friend. The beans. He's got that yeah, fire it, in him. Yes, yeah. he is. Like he he just, he sees he sees out front. And that's where he's trying to go in a hurry. Absolutely. That's like myself going to local races and seeing Boone Lloyd, who. uh was a uh, P-Dub Shaft winner at Loretta's this year. And just watching him compared to the other riders, no no offense to the other riders, but I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, he is, like, two or three years ahead of his time, and it's unbelievable to watch. And there's kids like uh, Easton, Boone, Absher Hall, uh, you know, that you just know, like, something's different with them. And especially, you know, for them to be, you know, kind of quiet, soft-spoken, but, man, when they get on the bike, they let all of their emotions out on that throttle. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's truly unbelievable watching it because you, you sit there and think, how can a, how can a kid, like, flip the, just flip a switch like that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, like, like it's a light bulb. It just, when it's on, it's hot, and it, it stays hot as long as it's on. That's kind of like... um. Uh, Ken Roxon, right? Like those first three laps, two laps, whatever, Supercross, Motocross, it doesn't matter. Though, I mean, it's like you know, you go from zero to one hundred, and he does it the best, and it's honestly unbelievable to watch. Oh, oh, hundred percent. You, you just, I mean, like, like, like you say, zero. You think of zero, hundred percent, and it's how do you get there like that? It, but it's just. I mean, it's just something there that, like, for a lot of kids or just anybody, you you can't. It's just like they have it. Right. It ain't something you put in them. They just have it. It's, it's nothing that you can teach. You can't teach exactly. That. You can't teach that. And no matter, no matter what you as a parent does to your kid, if your kid does, you know, like, man, there's just some kids have it and some kids don't. Like, and it's and you can't teach it. No matter. How hard you hit you hit him over the head with the knowledge. It it's it it's almost like you can't replicate it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, my my dad always used to say, "It's easy to go out there and starve some, but I can't teach you how to be hungry." That's right. That's right. Like, and I I, I like that. I lived by my whole life. It, it, he would tell me so. He would tell me that, and like just watching a bunch of riders out there. I, I see what he meant, yep. and you, you see a lot of kids that just they just have that they 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 have that natural hunger. They don't want to starve. They they want to be hungry all the time. They they they're going to eat twenty four seven as long as you let them. Absolutely, and uh, man, it, it's honestly unbelievable. And we're about to get Sean Dutton from Moto X Fi GPS Tracker. Uh, security company uh, here on the line. But before we get into uh, Sean from Moto XFI, uh, we have to thank Dirt Industries Custom Graphics from Rayford, North Carolina. Dirt Industries, uh, for over 10 years, they have designed, manufactured, 
the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industries. If you want your graphics to look top notch, look no further than Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. And uh, you can find them at Dirt Industries Graphics dot com and uh heavy d you know the banners that they have they have great material uh and really we have so much more coming up from the guys over at dirt industries custom graphics oh yeah oh yeah yeah ashley and neil over there man they're, they're awesome people like i say they, they'll get you taken care of some of the best customer service out there and uh I, i'm telling you some of the best designs out there as well helmet, helmet wraps car wraps dirt bike graphics uh just about anything you need, graphics-wise or printer-wise, they can definitely take care of you. But, man, we have uh, Sean Dutton, uh, Moto X FI. Uh, how you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all tonight? Good, good. Uh, so you, so there has been a lot that has been going on in the local motocross scene with uh, motorcycles and different things uh, being stolen. And uh, you're a new company on The Verge with a GPS tracker and uh Tell me a little bit about that. What is Moto XFI, and uh, what made you start uh, on this journey? Yeah, so Moto XFI is a GPS tracker that we've been testing for about the last year and trying to find the best technology to help, you know, our motocross family protect their assets. It's a, it's a tracker. We have multiple different versions of it that goes on the bike. It, you know, you can set it up to send alerts. You can use geofencing, so if it moves outside of a certain area, you know your phone gets alerted. And then it also helps you pinpoint where the bike is actually at. So if you happen to have your bike stolen, you know you, you know exactly where it's going. It, you can watch the map. We have the software for tracking. And you can watch the map, and it'll tell you exactly the route it's going, what speed it's going at. And so it'll help you for recovery mode. That's that's awesome, and honestly, that's something that um, that as soon as I saw uh, somebody actually commented um, on something and brought your company up, and I looked into it, and I had a motorcycle that was stolen right as soon as COVID hit in uh, 2020, and I wish that I would have uh, invested into uh, one of the GPS trackers. But now, uh, you know, the listeners, myself, Heavy D, anybody that has a motorcycle. Uh, can now get these and man they're looking at the website it seems like they are uh, you know affordable and there's different options so uh, tell me you know how does that work the different uh, you know trackers that you have uh, there's different options and uh, honestly they're very affordable for even the you know the average person yeah so that's what we wanted we wanted to be able to give our customers our family members you know motocross is a family and we don't want to take advantage of our family. And so we were looking and testing the, the fine different types of trackers that, you know, it all depends on the battery life. We have multiple versions. There's some real small ones that last, you know, two, three weeks before you have to recharge it. So, you know, during bike maintenance, when you're changing the oil, you could put the, pull the tracker out, put it on the charger for an hour, throw it back in, you know, the air box or, you know, attach it under the seat. And then we have other ones that are much larger that, you know, last six, seven months before it needs to be recharged. And we're also working on a version for, you know, like the, the four-stroke big bikes that have uh, electric starts that have batteries in them mm. that you can actually, you know, run off the bike battery so you never have to worry about recharging the battery. Yeah, that's and a so, good idea. You know, yeah, so, you know, we were looking at these different cost factors and, 
the biggest cost is the cellular connectivity and the software to actually do the, the tracking. And so we've been looking and trying to keep that price down. You know, it's a monthly subscription. You know, we're looking at anywhere from about seven bucks a month. So, you know, just trying to keep that price down. So, you know, we're not hurting everyone's pocketbook. And, you know, and that's our main goal. Right. And I mean, even at a, you know, a $5,000 motorcycle to a $14,000 motorcycles that some of these are running to, I mean, realistically, I mean, looking at the website, right, you have the, uh, you have the light version, which is 70 bucks and, uh, you have the mini, which is 60 bucks. Um, it's yep. got the 20 day battery life. Like you said, whenever you're doing general bike maintenance, just take it off, put it on the charger. Um, and then you have the all track, uh, XL that is, uh, only a hundred dollars plus if you're talking about the subscription fee of $7 a month. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think that that's good enough to save your assets, especially with something, you know, in a, in a sport that you love. And I think this is something that, uh, people need to, uh, you know, have eventually on their, on their motorcycles. And I believe that that's the reason that why you, um, you know, created Moto XFI. That's correct. You know, and, and the biggest thing that we're looking towards is, you know, we get a lot of questions about what's the difference between you and say, you know, like air tags, right? We're looking to be a deterrent. We don't want your bike stolen. Our ultimate goal is to give you a product that if the, the bike gets, nudged or you know they start to pick it up to move it there's a alarm that goes off on your phone that notifies you you know there's a vibration or if it moves outside that you know that restricted area that has been moved and you know air tags that give you that ability right it's they're more of a recovery mode right. and it and honestly it's better than nothing right have something on your bike to help you but if the bike's been stolen and you're trying to recover it, that's going to be the most difficult part. So we're trying to get all our family, you know, protected so that doesn't happen. Absolutely. And, and you know, securing your shit is the way to do it. Um, to, that's it. To make sure that this doesn't happen. And for, you know, this reasonable, uh, you know, cost, um, it's a great option. And I believe even for myself, you know, I went and actually – uh, from where my bike got stolen um, and at the house that we have now, I went and bought security cameras to make sure that stuff happens. But realistically, you wouldn't, you know, and at least in my case, I wouldn't need to do that if I had one of these uh, Moto X FI trackers. I wouldn't have to worry about it with, uh, especially with the uh, subscription to the software, to knowing everything, the alarm on the phone. It seems like you guys have it have it figured out and uh, seems like uh, this is something that people need to get a hold of uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I agree. And, you know, my background is technology. You know, my my main focus and, you know, work is around technology. Gotcha. So I'm always looking for newer and better technology and trying to bring that into the motocross industry. And that's what we d decided, you know, to create Moto X5 is to bring new technology to help, you know, in any way that we can. And so, you know, like our next step and our next product is, as you mentioned, home security systems, right? Right. They're, you know, they're a big deterrent. If you have a sign up in your yard that's saying, you know, protected by this home security system, you know, somebody, the average person that might be looking to break in is going to say, okay, that one has something, that one has something, oh, that one doesn't, I'm going to that one. 
So we're developing a product now that we can put into RVs and cargo trailers that runs off batteries that last, you know, longer than the the eight hours that a home security system would last on a battery, right? right? This is going to be a product that could last six months to a year before you just got to replace the batteries. But it gives you that ability to set the alarm through your phone. If someone breaks into your trailer, you have motion sensors, you have door sensors that will go off and protect, you know, the, the contents of what's inside that trailer. And this can go beyond just motocross. It can go, you know, custom cars and even landscape. And I have a couple friends that, you know, their son races and they're a big landscaper. And he's like, I've had stuff stolen out of my trailers. So this is a great opportunity, you know, to, to expand, you know, with our motor families into maybe their full-time jobs. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously having that sense of security is always a top priority for us because we don't want to go to a track and unfortunately have our bikes taken, which has been happening here in the local motocross scene, Virginia, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. These air, these these tracks are getting targeted and uh, and it's super unfortunate. And I believe that this is a very good option. And that's the reason I wanted to bring you on, Sean. And do you have a racing background? I don't. Uh, my son races. He's been racing now for about two years. Okay. And so, you know, I'm getting into it a lot, right? We all know, you know, to be competitive, you're constantly at tracks, you're constantly traveling. And that's where, you know, this comes into big play because if we go and we're traveling and you stop at a hotel, right? Yeah. yeah. How are you protecting your, your bikes in the trailer at a hotel? Right. You're constantly looking out the window, right? We want you to have that good night's sleep, knowing that it's protected. Yeah, that sense of security. Uh, You definitely definitely want that. Uh, You know, instead of having to haul the – because I've – you know, I've raced arena cross in the stadiums uh, up and down in the East Coast when I was little, and, man, we had to to bring the bikes into the hotel sometimes. And, you know, that's a pain in the rear end sometimes. And, you know, if I had a – you know, one of your products back then, it would have helped out a whole lot, and it's awesome – uh, to see what you're doing. I appreciate it. Uh, Heavy D, uh, did you um, have anything to uh, to comment uh, on uh, making sure that we secure all of our stuff here? I mean, it's a big topic in the sport right now for sure. No, it definitely is. It, and, I mean, it, it's, it's cool because, I mean, what's crazy, I don't, I don't want to make it sound bad, but, like, I didn't know about the Moto XFI until these bikes got stolen. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing because it's not. It's never a good thing if somebody's stuff gets stolen. But at the same time, I think it's a good way that this gets out there so more people know because, I mean, you shouldn't have to go to a track. And like I said, it's not track's fault. It's, I mean, everybody had their stuff secured. I don't think it's anybody's fault, but you got guys out there like I always tell my parents, like if somebody wants, if they're going to steal something, they're going to find a way to get it, one way or another. If they exactly. want that stuff, and so it's good. It, it, it's kind of good. Like we're on this topic, so more people know about this, and people can actually spend the money. Because in my opinion, if you go spend fourteen thousand dollars, you know, a hundred bucks for a device and seven bucks a month is going to save you from having to spend another fifteen thousand dollars if you get a bike stolen trying to replace it. 
Absolutely. It's just another subscription to something to watch on TV, right? But it's securing your okay. stuff, and I believe that that's way more, than, uh, way more important. And I see where this, I mean, you know, probably within the next couple of weeks or so, I'm, I'm going to have to get one for myself so I have that sense of security on, you know, my uh, RMZ 450 and uh, my 110 that I have just to make sure, you know, I have that extra sense of security just because my bike has gotten stolen and um, it seems like it's happening a lot nowadays. And honestly, your product, your products, the things that you are doing, you're a dad, you know, that was in the sport that had no background in the sport from what I'm getting to. Um, and you wanted to secure your stuff and you're willing to help out other, um, you know, racers and, uh, you know, anybody else that is looking to secure their stuff. And that just proves how big the motocross community truly, truly is and that everybody looks after everybody. And honestly, there's not another sport like it. Uh, 100% agree. You know, I grew up playing baseball and, you know, you didn't have this type of family atmosphere, you know, in that sport, right? You you had your team, but your your competitors are your family in motocross, right? right. You, my My son's best friends, or he sees them a lot more at the tracks than he has friends at school. Right. Because, you know, they're just, they know what the grind is that they go through training and, you know, the competition and they love it. And, and so I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah. And it's awesome. Like I said, it's, it's, it's really cool that what you have done and what you have created. And I hope this podcast, uh, helps your business out because I believe it is a great product and I believe that securing your shit is very, very important, especially in this sport when we spend a lot of money from the motorhome to the trailer to the trucks to, uh, you know, bikes, accessories, all of this stuff. And, you know, things are happening nowadays. 2022 is crazy, um, you know, out there in the world. And uh, we want to make sure that all of our stuff is secure That so we are racing and riding on the weekends and uh we don't want none of that to be taken away and honestly sean it's awesome i appreciate you so much for coming on here that's sean dutton uh owner of moto x fi and uh, make sure uh to go and check them out it's moto com and uh social media sean uh same thing same thing uh on instagram and facebook awesome that is uh that's really cool and sean like i said it's it's awesome heavy d anything else for sean here Oh, no, you know, uh, oh, are you related to anybody at the Dutton Ranch? Uh, I wish. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Sean. I, I, at this Go. point, I think I would love to have Beth on my side. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but guys, I appreciate the time and, you know, and getting helping me get this product out there. Yeah, no, it's 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 honestly not a problem, and uh, we'll be talking here in the future, Sean. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, it was really cool to hear from Sean Dutton, obviously the owner of Moto XI, uh, XFI. Sorry, uh, his products, what he's doing for the sport. He's a he's a dad that came into the sport, didn't know nothing, had a baseball background, and he's willing to help out uh, people with his technology. Uh, background uh, to help all of us uh, make sure that you know we have a sense sense of security and honestly I I I congratulate him on that and I will 100% be uh, getting one and making a YouTube video on how it works the software so that it will help everybody out so um, it was awesome to hear from him Heavy D oh 
most definitely. You know, it's it's awesome that uh we have Sean and you know him being a tech tech guy coming out with something like that, and it's crazy. We found out find out about it, especially when all this stuff is starting to happen. You know, I think they could definitely save a lot of bikes from getting stole, even if you know some do get stole. It'll help on the recovery side of things big time. That way, it'll slow some of this theft on bikes down because, man, the way it is looking, you know, like, Cabby's got hit earlier this year. Um, 221 got hit at the state championship this year. And then Dreamville got hit. And, man, it was all multiple bikes, like, and in the same kind of way. So, I feel like it was some – it had to be some inside job stuff going on, like, or somebody scoping these places out the way they play out. And I just feel like, you know, if people like just, you know, spend that money and get that device, you know, it could save a lot of theft with these bikes. And like I say, help with recovery. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, there's there's options from fifty nine ninety nine um all the way up to ninety nine ninety nine with the seven dollar subscription. And Honestly, I mean, for as much as we spend on motorcycles and all of these entry fees and all of that, um, I do not believe that this is a bad investment uh, for anybody. And uh, the same weekend that Dreamville got broken into and the bikes got stolen, uh, a track in Abington, where Zach Osborne is from, called Senda MX, they also got hit. And uh, five bikes got stolen, I believe, from there as well. So it is honestly unbelievable what's uh, what's been happening and... Um, it's it, and um, Lake Sugar Tree. Sorry to interrupt, my bad. Oh yes, Lake Sugar Tree, right before the uh, Halloween bash. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I actually completely forgot about that when we brought up Lake Sugar Tree. I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not hard for these people to be completely honest. If you are a person that's not in the sport of motocross, it's pretty easy to go onto Google and look for local motocross racing in my area, near me, whatever. You'll find their Facebooks, and you know these track promoters not calling any of them out and not saying that it is their fault whatsoever, but it's pretty easy for people to find where races are going to be at, and you know that there's a lot of motorcycles that are going to be there. So, um, you know, getting this GPS tracker device is not a bad uh, option, and they have a lot more products that are going to be coming in the future from what it seems like from Sean, so... It's honestly, uh, it's cool, and uh, I, I, I really hope that some, some of the other people on here, you listeners out there, that uh, make sure to secure your shit. Um, we don't want this to happen to anybody else. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody is at the racetrack every single weekend, having a great time, like we're supposed to. Um, that's what the mo- local motocross scene is all about, and we're not supposed to be worrying about this stuff. But unfortunately, in the rear, uh, in the rear, uh, wow real (laughs) wow (laughs) in the real world um stuff happens man and people are ruthless and and this stuff happens so make sure to secure your shit check out motoxfi.com check out their social medias um just make sure to keep an eye out on your stuff and make sure this stuff doesn't doesn't happen make sure to double lock it if you don't have a gps tracker or you know, do something to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen to you. And honestly, like, I hate that this is honestly even happening in our scene, Heavy D. Oh, dude, uh, that's what I'm saying. I never, I'm not, you know, you know I never put it past any, anything. 
but never in a million years would I have thought like you go it would come to this point to where you have to go to a track and worry about something you like another thing on your mind that you try to go get away from like I'm yeah. not saying people worry about their stuff getting stolen at home or anything like that because you know home is is home and the track is a peaceful place. That's where you go to get your mind off things, have fun. You don't have to worry about shit like that. But having to go to a track and worry about like your shit getting stolen when that's just supposed to be your peace time and more family time and be at the track to have, you know be with your friends and stuff. It just it sucks. It's you know? sad. Yeah. But. You know, I feel like, you know, like Moto XFI, that, like I say, the sports is is expensive enough. And, you know, I hate for anybody to have to spend more money. And it's the, it's the sad outcome of our sport. It takes so much to keep it going and to keep these tracks going. But, you know, it's, it's given another sense of security just to go ahead and spend that little bit more money. And I don't think people would have to harp, would harp on these tracks as much. Because, you know, that's another thing. Like, track owners already get so much, like, criticism on prices and how they run the tracks. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize what it takes to put on a practice or a race or any of that. And for the track owner to have to, you know, worry about other people's stuff as well, I mean, that's just more added pressure and you know, more expense they would have to charge. So I feel like if people like actually take the time, go to, you know, Moto XFI and, you know, to Mr. Sean Dutton and his business and see what it's about and spend that money and, you know, and and get these devices for their bikes, it would help everybody out just as much. And it would give so much more sense of security, not only to, you know, the, the owners of the motorcycles and stuff, but also track owners. So they don't have to worry about somebody coming on their property and stealing, you know, their customer stuff. Right. Right. And just, you know, and they don't want a bad rep on their on their place. You know, they don't they want to make sure that everybody is safe. Everybody's having a good time. None of these track promoters want anybody to get hurt. None of their, you know, nobody's stuff stolen. Everybody wants to have a good time. And yeah, I mean, you know. If you think about it, you know, they put extra security up in the up in the track. I mean, that costs a lot more money. You have a security guards there or something like that throughout the night. That costs money. That's going to make our entry fees and our cost go up more at these racetracks if we do that. So if we take $100, spend it one time for the, let's say, the best product here on Moto X FI, which is the Moto X Alltrack XL, um, you know, $100. Right, it's got a 180 day battery life in uh, power save mode, so you know it's gonna last a while when you do your regular maintenance. Just go ahead and put it on the charger. You know, I don't see a reason why this, you know, why we can't uh, just spend this 100 dollars and seven dollars a month, just like a TV program uh, or TV, um, you know, channel, whatever it is, uh, subscription. I believe it's well worth it. Exactly, and you you think about. I would rather. That's literally if they seven bucks a month at twelve months and a hundred dollars bought that uh, that's only one hundred eighty four dollars for one year. Yeah, the next year it's just eighty four bucks a year. Yeah, that's to me that's worth it. Like I would rather spend that money than go to the track 
and them have to up the cost tremendously just to get security there. And still, that's still not even a guaranteed thing. Like I say, like you can have security on the grounds, but uh, a true thief, like my parents, a true thief is going to find a way to get what they want. Oh, absolutely. No matter what. They're mm-hmm. there to do a job, and their job is to steal, and that's how they make their money. That's how they eat, you know, just like an, just like an animal. Like, they're going to go mm-hmm. out there, they're going to get their stuff so they can eat. So exactly. make sure to secure your shit. Check out MotoXFI.com. Uh, Check them out on social media. And, uh, man, Christmas is right around the corner, Heavy D. I know you know because you got little ones at the house. We got dogs here at the house, which are our kids. Um but man, FXR, if you need any type of high performance snow rider wear, it's getting cold out there to motocross gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you, jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever you need, FXR has you covered. They have a mountain bike line now that I saw the other day, so make sure to go and check them out cuz they have the best in sizing, fitting, and venting. Uh, in my opinion, for motocross riding gear, I was out there at Dreamville with a hoodie on with my Imperative MX hoodie because it was a little chilly, doing some hoodie motos, had the FXR gear on, was super, super comfortable, obviously, of course. I went and actually rode the RMZ this weekend out at Sawyer Beck's house in uh, Forest, Virginia. Uh, got a little bit of riding time this weekend and uh, wearing the FXR gear, love that stuff. Um Man, just, you know, Christmas right around the corner. Make sure to go and check out fxrracing.com. Find them on social media as well. And uh, thank you thank you to uh, their continuing support, even with my racing and uh, Imperative MX. Also have to give a huge shout-out to Hydropower, which is actually in my cup right now to get me through this uh, podcast. Hydropower is a formulated sports nutritionist drink to, uh, uh, to help really maintain... Um, you know, that arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. That's what we want, Heavy D, is for everybody to ride safe and faster, right? Exactly. You know, that that hydropower, I've seen what it does to you. I've seen firsthand what it does to you. That's that's some real legit stuff. You was getting down at the valley with that stuff, so hey, I know it works. Hey, I'm telling you, you know how we were talking about the local legend, the, uh, you know, the new, uh, the new local legend, how we can just see it. In you know, in their riding style and all of that, right? They got that determination. They got that grit. I may not have it no more, but I had some hydropower in me, and that was helping me through it. Okay, I think you got that grit. It's, that grit is gonna come out in thirty plus this year for the the Loretta Lens, baby. Yeah, you know, Zach Newberry is gonna try for thirty plus next year. I uh, I got some parts ordered for the for the bike for next year, so I'll be so the bike will be. Uh, looking clean heading into the uh, areas and regionals going ahead and start getting some engine mounts and uh, maybe a linkage some new sprockets gonna get some graphics from dirt industries custom graphics man it's gonna be sweet i'm gonna be drinking hydropower every day making sure i am hydrated and uh making sure i don't get no arm pump even underneath the rail cars at work uh putting on steam lines or putting on big hoses uh, trying to uh, get the asphalt out of the rail cars. I mean, I'm telling you what, I'll get some arm pumps sometimes, but if I got hydropower in that cup, man, my endurance increases and my arm pump decreases. It's honestly uh, awesome. So make sure to go and check out drinkhydropower.com to get your blue Raz today. That stuff's awesome. Still got to get some uh, out to Heavy D when we meet up next time. And uh, if you want to save a little bit on 
Hydro Power for your order for Christmas or just for you know yourself. The link will be in the description of this podcast for 10% off of your purchase. So make sure to check that out. And uh, next topic we're going to get into is a little bit of local racing schedule updates and events. Um, we've talked a good amount of the stolen bike talk. Uh, there was, you know, the, a lot of bikes have been taken from different places around the local motocross area. Uh, we hate to see it. It's sad that it's happened to these people. My bike has been, you know, obviously stolen as well. And I know, you know, Heavy D knows others that, you know, bikes have been stolen and this stuff has got to stop. I think getting the Moto X FI tracker, GPS tracker device is a great option. If you guys have any questions, because like I said, probably honestly tomorrow, to be completely honest, Heavy D, I'm probably going to go ahead and get the Alltrack XL and, uh, Go ahead and put that baby on order. Go ahead and get the subscription for the software and uh, do a YouTube video on it because I want to make sure that everybody's uh, stuff is secure and I want my stuff secure as well. So why not, you know, make a YouTube video so people can see actually what it's like uh, firsthand and all of that good stuff, how to set it up and all of that. I, th I think with all the stolen bikes that have been uh, been taken away from these kids that that honestly did not do anything to anybody and and doesn't. Uh, deserve this um, you know something needs to be done uh, so um, man anything else on the stolen bike talk Heavy D I feel like we've hit it pretty hard no we have you know I just definitely uh, I, I hope people go out and get it you know just to have that more sense of security and not only that like even if something was to happen or get it get stolen you you being able to track track it is a big thing like being able to find it absolutely and you know that's that's another thing right there so i mean i would say you know spend that 100 bucks is worth it like i mean i would rather spend 100 bucks any day of the week rather than have to go spend another fifteen thousand. absolutely and you know i don't really have anything else on that topic just because you know it's it's sad it shouldn't happen especially in our local motocross scene unfortunately it is happening we need to make sure that we secure our own stuff and not rely on just us being moto fans and thinking that this is not going to happen because obviously it's happening and in front of us on you know weekends um so make sure to secure your stuff um local uh, local racing uh heavy d i saw you comment on this and i, I agreed 100 percent with what you said but the listeners and some of the people that didn't see your comment um racing saturdays versus sundays heavy d um, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was a conversation that got started uh, on the Facebook group. I think it's Club in CMX, if I mm -hmm. got that right. Um, talking about why uh, or should we implement um, Sunday or Saturday racing and Friday practices instead of Sundays? Because you know some people go to work early, like myself. Like I can't travel very far for a race on Sunday because I have to be at work at 4 a.m. on Monday morning. And it's very hard for me, especially with the, you know, the only track I could really do that at is Lake Sugar Tree or Birch Creek because they're an hour and a half away, hour, hour and a half away. But if I go down to North Carolina, let's say like even 421, that's a two, that's a two hour trip for me. Silver Valley, two and a half, 245. So, you know, any of these tracks like Kathy's Creek, I, there ain't no way I'm making it. That's four hours for me. There ain't no way. So, I, I do agree with the Friday. I, I, I agree with Saturday racing. Um, 
I agree with Saturday racing. The thing is, though, is I love the Saturday-Sunday combo just because I've been used to it for all of my life, and I'm just so used to Saturdays being practice and everybody hanging out, everybody has a good time, and then Sunday is when the gate drops and the BS stops, right? So I don't know. Um, I'm kind of up in the air uh, on both. I know it's going to be hard for people uh, to come in on Fridays uh, for practice, obviously, because people work and people got school, but... Uh, what's your opinion, Heavy D? I'll let you take the floor here for a couple minutes. See, is the I've always liked, you know, Friday practice, Saturday racing better. Uh just because Sunday you have Sunday free to relax, and it's it's hard to go racing Sunday. I've done it a lot, like you know, racing, you know, the Ultra Series and like qualifiers and all that other good stuff. You you go. Like long weekends like that, you go practice Friday, but most of all, you race sometimes Saturday and Sunday. So, like, if you race in Sunday, you get home late, you got to unload everything, and then you still got to get up early Monday morning. Like, parents would have to go to work, or I'd have to go to school. Yep. It's just, it's a lot. And it's ultimately, it's, it's hard. Like, it's hard on your body. Like, anything's hard on your body, but. Like Sundays is just hard all around. Granted, the worst Saturdays, like you know, you go race, you're done, and then Sunday you got. I mean, you, you sometimes you want to relax for the people who want to watch football or sports and do that, or go to church. Like you have that for it. I think, and I, I think I may have said it in that comment section. Um, from a promoting standpoint and running the track standpoint, and also my opinion. A lot of them don't do it because, again, it all reverts back to money. And in order to keep these tracks going, like, you got to make money to keep them turning just like any other business. Unfortunately, like, it's just like the profit margins in motocross are real small, you know. So a lot of them do the Saturday because practices, ultimately, yeah, you got people that want to learn the track and ride it and get more familiar with it but all in all it helps co- it helps cover a lot of costs as well for flaggers and ambulances and trophies and just staff in general so the more people you can get it on saturday for practice you know to get some money and it helps cover those costs towards friday you know you still got people at work kids at school granted unless it's in the summertime that's different right then it, it kind of balances itself out but that's why they do it like that. And, and I'm sure a lot of track promoters would love to only love to do Friday and Saturday. I know uh, uh, a good amount that does. I'm for like Travis Rominger. He's yeah. been, he does. He mainly does Saturday. Right. I think he only does Saturday. I, it, it, for I racing think, wise. Yes. He only does yeah. Saturday and that's such a big hit. Yeah. And it, it is. And, and I agree. I, I mean, if the track of all these tracks could do Friday and Saturday, I'm sure they would, but a lot of track owners, they have regular jobs on Friday as well. But for the most part, most of them are actually there trying to prep to get it ready for Saturday and get staff in line. So it's just, ironically, it just happens to be a bit harder, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like, so, a, it's like a double-edged sword. No matter which way you way you look at it, there's going to be pros and cons to, to each way you look at it. But all in all, like you said, it is a business, and that's the way that they run 
the business and that's the business model that has been working for a really long time. And I'm sure that they're probably they but they don't want to move it because they're I wouldn't I'm not speaking on the on the track promoters themselves, but I'm sure it'd probably be like, man, I don't I don't know because, you know, we're so used to having, let's say, this certain amount of, you know, let's say this amount of revenue on Saturday to make sure that Sunday is covered, right? So uh-huh. so I, I understand that. Um but I but you were I saw a comment that was in there that um maybe youth racing uh on Saturday, like uh let's do practice from let's say eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning until twelve and then race the youth classes maybe get to go ahead and get the youth classes over with um and then maybe sunday for the amateur ba you know all of those classes is that something maybe that could be implemented or could it be yes i say it could be would it i'm gonna say no just because that's more expense you got to track prep again right if it would be different now if they did youth saturday and they left the track and just kind of threw water on it which is depending on where you are not calling any tracks i mean it could be any but it could be a bit sketchy right. doing doing it like that but if you did it like that i think that would work in a sense but also i don't like you got guys that come and practice if they came and practice friday they ain't gonna want to sit around and wait till Sunday because they got a whole day doing nothing. It's just that's it's it's way more, you know, cons than pros to that right that way. I got I, you. I think, yeah, in, in a sense, I got rather you. than to just racing on Sunday. You know, yeah. Which now, I'm... if they did it like you were saying, if they did like youth classes first, like from like 8 to 12, if they could time it out right just to do youth from this time to this time, and then from like 12 to such and such, the, the amateurs, then that would be different, I think. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see that. But at the same time, I mean, there's, you know, the vet riders, including myself now, uh, you know, got to get to work early too. So really, I mean, you know, we would kind of be upset about that because I want to get out of there early. You know, I want to be one of the first 10 motos and – most of the time, that does not happen, uh, unfortunately, uh, in my case, uh, for 25-plus. But, you know, we're trying to get out of there, too, and I know everybody is, too. And, you know, if anybody has any recommendations on, you know, uh, opinions uh, on really anything that we have uh, that we've talked about already, just let us know down in the comment section. Send us a email, imperativemx at gmail.com. Like, we want to hear your opinions and your thoughts, and if we think it's a good enough topic and a good enough opinion that it could work or, you know, something to speak about, we'll definitely talk about it on next week's uh, episode. Um, moving more into local racing schedules, um, I know right now Lake Sugar Tree uh, Moonlight Series is starting up, um, and uh, at the beginning of the year at West Craven, they're having their first Pro-Am uh, of the year out there with a big uh, pro purse. Uh, I, I shouldn't say big, but it's a three thousand uh, dollar pro purse, so it's still still good money uh, to go out there and and you know uh, win that. Um, other than that, do you know of any other races that are uh, that are coming up here in the next couple of weeks before the beginning of the year? Um, just I th- I'm mainly just the West Craven race I know of. Okay, 
I think some more um, Victory Sports Indoor Series stuff. Um, but mainly that's about it around these parts. I, I'm pretty sure of. Yeah. Um, East Bend is done with theirs uh, for a while. I'm sure Kathy's Creek is too for the night racing um, and all of that good stuff. Top Gun, I, they're a night track too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. NCMP, Birch Creek, everybody's uh, kind of chilling out, and everybody's going into the indoor series, which you got the Victory Sports uh, indoor series. You have the Lake Sugar Tree Moonlight series, so make sure to check them out if you're looking to race uh, within the next couple of weeks before that rest- West Craven race uh, with the big uh, pro person the uh, <laughs> uh, in the Pro-Am. Um, I'm sorry. What you laughing just... at, Heavy D? <laughs> oh, speaking of indoors, I don't know if you saw I- – I seen this. Did you see freaking Taco and Caleb Carter get into it at the Ag Center like A2? You, you know, I saw like somewhat of a video and it looked like Taco, but I couldn't tell if it actually was. What happened? It, it, oh my God. Taco don't leave leave places very quietly, does he? Dude, I love Taco. <laughs> he's a dude. he's a funny dude. Me and him me and uh we're talking about Carlos Short. Uh, he races the Arena Cross Series, and honestly, I've been racing him for a very long time. And no matter where we are uh, out on the track, we're in the same class, right? But we always end up, like, next to each other battling uh, at the Vermoto Top Gun Showdown. We're in the LCQ, the 450 LCQ, to get into the main, pretty much. And me and him are battling our hearts out at in, like, sixth, fifth place. And bro, we are dogging it, and we've me and him have had some rubbing his racing for sure a couple of times. And uh, but yeah, what happened, Heavy D? I, I'm not. I don't know exactly to the full extent. I know him and Caleb, like they got into it somewhere. I don't know if like Caleb, like gave him a little nudge or like. I mean, I know like Carl, like Todd, he usually rubs. He don't care about that, but. right? I don't know if like he gave him a good bump and yard sailed his ass or what, but they was out there scuffling and that shit was hilarious. I was like, man, <laughs> like it ain't even enough money out here for y'all to be acting like this. I'm telling you, like, if you guys y'all... want some of the best content right now, check out Matt Burkeen <laughs> on YouTube and check out all of the carnage uh from these local uh indoor races. It is honestly it's so funny, and that's why I love the indoor arena cross, like the farm races, like or the um, um, uh, fair races. Oh man, those 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 things are so funny, and and honestly, it's just entertainment all the way through. But oh yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not speaking bad on it, but I mean, it's just. I mean, I don't know. Like both of them, my my buddies, I love them right. both to death. Like, I, I don't like to see any of them scuffle. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I mean. I'm definitely not gonna shy away from it, but right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, dude. Like, for one, the pay ain't even what it used to be in that class. No. Like, I mean, like, or even in that like series, it's nowhere near what it used to be. Like, the rider wise, like, no, all the guys, it's not as good as it used to be. Not speaking bad on the series, right? But, I mean, it's just nowhere near as good as it used to be. And I was just like, and what makes it so bad? I think it was like four people in there. And they DQ Taco. Like, come on. Like, oh. really? There's four people in there. Like, come on. You gonna DQ, you gonna knock it down to three? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're gonna make so you're gonna make the purse even smaller probably by doing like, that. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, they could. I would just be like, you know what? Like, 
just y'all stay away from each other. I don't give a shit what you just stay away from each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I man, I raced arena cross. Right there was uh there was times where you know I've gotten into scuffles with other people and you know things like that. Um, I got DQ'd one time. Uh, I, I it was uh, Harv uh, Harvey who is the uh, who was the AMA arena cross uh, at the end in, in the Amsoil series. Me and him knew uh-huh. each other pretty well. I've been to his office a couple of times because people would, you know, people don't understand that in these indoor races, rubbing really is racing. Like, that's just how you have to get around people, and there's no other way to do it. And some people did not like that in arena cross because they either A, have not raced arena cross, or B, they just don't like to be touched um, in any way, shape, or form. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, when somebody comes in and tries to take your leg out, of course, I'm going to, I don't care if Harvey's in front of me, which is the reason why I got DQ'd is because I completely T-boned a kid literally right in front of Harvey and completely took him out. And I got disqualified from that race. But honestly, that's how, that's, that's the nature of the sport in arena cross. I feel like, like, that's just what is going to happen. And a scuffle is going to happen. I mean, there was a big, uh, um, Matt Burkin got it on video at the first uh, race in Asheville uh, a couple weeks ago. There was a big fight there. Did anybody get de- DQ'd there? Probably not. Okay, so uh, we're just going to move on because I have I have something else uh, with um, not so much. Uh, I, actually, I don't know uh, the whole backstory, so I can't really blame uh, anybody, but the 2023 schedules have been rolling out for a lot of the series. Um, you know, NCMX, um, District 13, Victory Sports. Um, look, look I, I need to look at those. I hadn't even seen them. Uh, they don't have Pro Sport on the schedule for next year. Wait, what? Yes. They do not have Pro Sport in Withville, Virginia. Normally, they do three races a year. There is zero. And I asked Jan Gaiman today before we got on to this podcast. I said, hey, no Pro Sport? She said, no. Wow. That's my home track, Heavy D. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a little I'm a little upset. I'm not gonna lie. That is my favorite track. It is my home track. Um uh yeah. Uh and honestly that that track, I would love to talk to the owner, Tam, uh uh just about the track in general because I feel like that track needs to have open practice on the weekends and uh things like that for the racers that are in this Virginia Roanoke, uh, Withville, um, Boone's Mill, Rocky Mount, like, dude, uh, uh, Hillsville, uh, even, like, Mount Airy uh, people from North Carolina, Winston-Salem, like, it's not far for these guys, and it's just another track to ride on the weekend, and I, I don't understand why they don't have open practice and they only have three races a year. I get that it's hard to run a track. I get it. It's on a horse field or a cow field, so... They have to do that a majority of the time. But, man, now we're not going to have any races, so what's going to happen to the track now? And are they going to even have any more races or what? But I know that Victory Sports, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Victory Sports is the only people that promotes or, or, you know, uh, brings a race to Withville every single year. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, and hopefully I learn uh, learn more about it, and uh, hopefully we can – uh, not we, because I know I can't change everything, and we can't change everything. But at least we can bring some good talking points up. Like I think that's a that's a race that 
needs to be there for a significant uh, number of reasons, um, and it's sad that it's that it's gone away. Yeah, uh, man, it's <laughs> I it's I don't I'm gonna say it. I probably shouldn't, oh but boy. oh boy, like <laughs> like I say, we when we started this, we both agreed to keep it honest and give our personal opinions the best our abilities. Yep. Dude, there's so much shady stuff that goes on when they do these scheduling. It's not even funny. Like, I mean, on every side, it's like they Victory Sports is the prime series on the East Coast. Right. The prime series. It's the biggest series on the East Coast where a lot of big names have made a name for themselves coming out of the uh, Mega Series, Ultra Series, Victory Sports Series. Absolutely. And me, by me, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot by saying this. But do I care? I'm not going to lie to you. I really don't. A lot of these tracks, they go through Sam Gannon. And I've been behind the scenes. I hear a lot. And I'm not gonna lie to you. He shafts a bunch of these a bunch of these track promoters. Like he plays them against each other so badly, it's not even funny. And I hear it so much. Like that whole pro sport idea, I don't I'm not sure on that. I've heard stuff about it, what goes wrong there. And what they would like to do to make it better, but like they ain't really got so much say so in it, which I get it is what it is. But when it comes to the racing part and like like all these schedules came out and like all these qualifiers and regionals, I don't now when it gets that deep, I don't know. I can admit to that. But you I hear so much of where it should be and what's supposed to be like done so these other tracks can get qualifiers and regionals. Yeah. And it don't even ever happen. And like that main source of power for a lot of these tracks starts right there at Victory Sports to get that. Right. And they don't. It's like because it's mighty funny how Muddy Creek, they they get a regional or a qualifier every year. I don't think they've been without a regional or qualifier in years. No. No. They have something. They have either a youth regional, uh, or a uh amateur regional, um, most of the time. And and it's a regional most of the time. Um yeah, I completely agree with you. I believe that there are some things that do need to change within uh, scheduling and uh, also helping the track promoters um, and, you know, things like that. I haven't heard very much behind the scenes uh, within the last um, couple of years, so you have uh, a one-up on me on that, but I'm sure within the next, you know, year or so with me going to a lot more um, you know, races for, uh, you know, this imperative MX podcast. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, there's so every, everybody that wants to have a name in the sport goes through victory sports. If you're on this side, it doesn't even matter if you're from Florida or Georgia or, um, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, any of those places that are up there, you're coming down the race at least one victory sports race a year at a you know if you're at a pro or b or even 60s 
50s, you know, because this is where a lot of the big names come to is Victory Sports. And there's been times in the past where I haven't heard very, you know, good things coming out from the way that they run things. And they've done it for such a long time that I figured out that I would think that a lot of these problems, like I said, I have no, I have no hate towards any, anybody. I'm just saying no. just to make the series and everything better. I believe that there are uh, certain changes that could be, um, that could be made uh, to oh, just absolutely. help everybody. You know, and trust me, I'm not trying to knock Sam. I'm not trying to have any dislike. Like I, I like the guy, um, and I'm not blaming him for trying to get his money. He's this is his, he's trying to get paid. Hey, you get get your money, dude. But at the same time, I'm looking at it like this: like it shouldn't it shouldn't be the way it is to have to go through him to get these races, right? To, through victory, it should not be that way. I mean, it's to me, it's just it's funky. It's it's not really right. I mean, and like I said, I I feel like his, like how he, and people are going to go there regardless. Like, they're going to go to Victory Sports, and I'm not trying to, trying to tell people to shy away from it by any means. Yeah. But, I'm still going to go. So, I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, but I also see, like, we were talking, about, like, even the subject on time and, like, the, the whole day ordeal or people getting out late on Sunday. If you notice, I don't know. A lot of people don't pay this no attention, but if you go race a victory sports race, I'll, I can put it on anything just about. You're out of there by 3 o'clock. Oh, absolutely. Every single time. You're out of there by 3 o'clock. And it's because of he has it down to a science, dude. Like, I've watched it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, people complain about, like, track prep. It's the reason why. It's how he does it. <laughs> Right. Like, and I've seen it. Like he's just got it down the side where you get out of there at three o'clock. I mean, if that's his way, that's fine. It is something I agree on. No, it's not really my series. It's not my series. Right. I mean, I'm I'm not involved with it. You know, I could disagree with it all day, but at the end of the day, I don't. I have nothing involved in it. But that's just like I say. Like I feel like you know a lot stems from that and. I think it's tracks out there and series out there that do better track prep, prep wise and stuff. Granted, you may not get out of there at three o'clock, but I feel like they do better. So therefore it shouldn't have to go through them through, through Victor sports for these other tracks to get something better, you know? Right. Right. Cause we talk about that. We want, you know, something like a local national and uh, you know, something to, to come out of it. Right. Like we want something to happen and, uh, Silver Valley is one of the places that we believe we firmly believe that needs to you know have uh, to have something now is you know is that going to happen in the future we hope so but uh, you know it depends on other people unfortunately uh, within within the sport uh, just like you're talking about heavy D now I don't know if you know for us to make a you know like a a big money race like they're doing right like we don't know if for them to have like an area or a regional, like, are they really going to have to go through Sam and victory sports to get on that? In a sense. Yeah. It, it sounds crazy, but because you think like that, the, the promoters, right. Or the MX sports, they're going to probably go to the nearest track that they know. And they're going to be like, Hey, what do you guys know about 
such and such track, you know, blah, 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 blah. They'll go, you know, they'll probably go out there to look at it, right? And then probably call right. Davy Coombs back or whatever and be like, yeah, uh, this is our, you know, opinion. So, um, that it's, it's the voucher that counts. Uh, if, if they can, it's like who you can get the vouch for you. Like, it's who you if know. You go, if, if you go and apply, like, for put in for area regional. From, for them, you get this. The rules, as far as the rule goes, that people don't know about, you're supposed to have an X amount of ra- uh, AMA races before you can get like an area. Right. And you're supposed to have the X amount of area before you can get a regional. Now, technically, that's how it's supposed to be. But before you can get an area, you're supposed to have X amount of AMA races, mm. official AMA races to get the area. I got you. Now, it's that's been skipped upon before. I know, I was at an area that didn't have not a one AMA race, not one, and they got an area. Mm. So it's it's a lot of jank stuff that goes on with this. So if you get that vouch from Sam Victory Sports, and they're like, "All right, this tracks you. This is where you need to have it." Yeah, yeah. Because, and then he has hit a race there, so he can make money off of it. Yeah, because it will be, or because he'll he'll probably bring in like a, um, you know, he'll have a victory sports either mega series or ultra series race there, right? For you know AMA reasons and all of that, he wants to see how it all work and all that good stuff. So I could see it. I mean, we can't hate the guy and we can't hate the series because they've been around for a long time and I don't think I could ever because I've won two titles. I won a 450 championship A-class and I won a 250 championship in 2013. That's one of my monumental, you know, small achievements I've made in my racing career and it's cool to go to Muddy Creek each time and to see my name on the, you know, on the board going in there, you know, a lot of the pros got to, you know, got to see that, which is which is cool, you know, and there are a lot of things that needs to change. No hate, no nothing towards the series or Sam or Jan or any of oh, the people yeah. that that work there. But I believe that if we can all come together, the series, you know, everybody come together, either a Zoom meeting or everybody meets at a track or something to talk about what the problem, what problems are to help out other tracks. Just like us as riders, right? We go there for the motocross community and the support from everybody that's there, right? I believe that the series needs to kind of do what Feld and MX Sports did and come together with other series to make everything better instead of just leaving it for one series, unfortunately, to take reins of technically the entire East Coast, if you think about it. Uh Uh-huh. Or a good amount of it. Yep, and like it ain't no hate, no, it's no hate to them whatsoever. Yeah, not trying to bad mouth them. It's just inside of how it works. That's just unfortunately that's the sad truth of how this whole ordeal works for these other tracks and what they have to go through to get what he has. Right, and uh, you know he had a pro national for three years three or four years, you know, so he knows what he's doing and he's been around the sport for a very, very long time. Um, um, you know, and yeah, I, this all got brought up because of pro sport. Um, sorry, not sorry. Uh, it's my favorite track. <laughs> it's one of my favorite tracks. Uh, it's my second favorite track other than, uh, 
Silver Valley MX Park now, but man, it um I'm just sad to see that race go away and we we went on a really long tandem there, but it was worth talking about, worth mentioning mentioning because I feel like everybody needs to come together even the series. Um the multiple different series that's going on for overlapping races um you know all of this good stuff and maybe they all talk and we really don't know heavy d like i i don't know like i have no idea you know it, yeah. i don't think anybody does other than the people that are involved yeah i mean do they talk oh they definitely talk i can assure you that but i mean it, to, 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 to me at the end of the day it's just like I know a lot of them go through there to get what they need to get or, or what they want. Do they, some of them, I mean, they can go directly to AMA and Tim Carter and them and put in forward. But for some of them, if they want to cut the corner, they go, they go to victory sports. And I mean, you, you got to have that voucher. You got to pay your dues to him. Like he's got to make his money. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And that it's just business. Um, just the way it goes. And if any track promoters or owners uh, that would like to have their track mentioned uh, or event mentioned here on the Imperative MX podcast, make sure to email imperativemx at gmail.com so we can get your track or event recognized because we want to help out every track, every track promoter. We want to help out everybody to make sure that you can get uh, the appropriate number of bikes out onto your track and for your event. So make sure to send us an email over at imperativemx at gmail.com and uh as far as local racing goes heavy d is there anything else that uh that you would like to uh to get into oh uh, no i think that's about it honestly okay um next up we have uh to answer some uh social media questions and uh we have one uh that is on our facebook here and it's actually mason thompson's uh mom um Emily, she asks, regarding the Moto XFI, does it require a solid F, uh, Wi-Fi connection uh, to live track your device? And Sean actually responded and said it is it is cellular connected. So as long as you pay your bill every single month, you'll be able to, uh, you know, see all of your all of your stuff and all of your goods to make sure everything is, uh, is good. Um, other than that, Heavy D... Um, Man, that that that's it. That was the only social media question that we had for this episode. Um, I do believe. Let me make sure I'm not missing any here. Um, anything to add, Heavy D? To uh, to just anything? No, I mean honestly, I think it's been like we've had some solid conversations, you know, about everything that's been going on. So, um, and gave a lot of insight. Absolutely. And we had, uh, I mean, really, what a phenomenal episode we had here. Uh, episode number eight of the Imperative MX podcast. We had the local motocross ta talk and securing your stuff with Moto X FI's owner, Sean Dutton, who called in earlier. We brought back uh, the local legend, uh, legend segment. I'm getting tired, Heavy D. <laughs> we brought back the local legend segment and uh chatted with the Loretta Lens history the 15-time champion Kevin Walker it was great to talk with him and uh, uh see how his uh injury process 
uh, you know, his getting back to healthy is uh, is going for him. We had uh, local racing talk, and uh, there was so much more into this jam pack episode number eight of the Imperative MX podcast, huh, Heavy D? Oh, absolutely. It was awesome, and uh, it's always good to have those uh, good in-depth conversations, without a doubt. Absolutely, and as, and especially with all of the bad things that unfortunately has been going on in the scene, I, I feel like this was a great podcast to bring it up, uh, and 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 hopefully everybody gets something out of this to uh, make sure to um, secure your stuff even a little bit more, um, you know, and just keep an eye on everything and and get yourself a Moto X Fi uh, GPS tracker, a hundred dollars for their most expensive one, a hundred and eighty day battery life. Um, they're you know rugged uh waterproof um i mean man they got so much stuff so make sure to go and check out moto x fi and man before we hop off here we have to thank all of our uh sponsors uh silver valley we didn't get into an ad read but i believe we say it enough on here heavy d silver valley it's the local pro motocross uh pretty much track the local (laughs) pro national that's around and uh i mean i'm i'm so glad to have uh silver valley mx park uh on board here of the imperative mx podcast heavy d oh absolutely that place place is big place has got long deep ruts lexington north carolina local national the only local national the only local national and uh Man, Silver Valley MX Park, thank you for being on board. Have to give a shout-out to West Virginia Motorsports. If you need anything for a new or current ride, make sure to go and check out West Virginia Motorsports. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. You need some graphics, some banners, some decals, anything like that, make sure to go and check out Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. FXR, like I said, Christmas right around the corner. You need anything, go to fxrracing.com. Check them out on social media. Uh Get looking good. Uh, make that kit look good going into 2023. Get you a new set of FXR racing gear right now, fxrracing.com. And last but not least, Hydropower. I got like probably two more sips in my in my cup here before I pretty much go to bed, which is actually really good with Hydropower. I'll talk about that for a minute. I can drink I can drink that stuff all day and still go to bed at night. So it's not like it's a super energy uh, drink or anything like that. You drink it all the way throughout the day. It's got all of the stuff that uh, that you need. Go to drinkhydropower.com to read more. Order uh, your Blue Raz today. So, uh, man, Heavy D, uh, great episode here. Great episode. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped on it. I've been waiting to get back on and talk, you know, and it's just, it's exciting, dude. It's just talking about all these problems and you know keeping the local scene informed getting more people to listen it is truly like a blessing bro absolutely and um you know i'm glad that you're on board uh and that this imperative mx podcast is branching off to so many different people so many different companies it's it's honestly awesome to see the listeners you guys following i mean we're all we're almost at 200 downloads already uh, since we've uh, split off from Spotify and gone to everything else, it's still available on Spotify, Listen Notes, Apple, uh, really anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, the Imperative MX podcast is there. And so uh, thanks to you all for listening on this week's episode number eight of the Imperative MX podcast. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Check out the podcast, other episodes, Apple Music, Spotify, and more uh, when you get a chance. But 
From myself, Zach Newberry, and co-host Heavy D, we're out. See you.